It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets opened a six-game road trip last night in Dallas against the Stars, and unfortunately, it did not go well. It was looking good early in the game, but when it was all said and done, the Stars got a win in two very important points for them. I'll tell you more about that right after I tell you about Telhio Credit Union. It was back in 1934. That's when the folks at Telhio Credit Union decided they were going to put people above profits. And they still do that to this day. Why should you join a credit union? What advantages are there to being a member of a credit union? What services do they have? What perks do they have that go along with those services? All valid questions. And all of the answers can be found at tellhio.org. That's right. Just go to the website. You can surf around, click on different tabs, find out the answers to all of those questions and many more. And if there's something you cannot find, All you've got to do is click on the live chat option. You can do that during business hours and somebody will come onto your screen and talk you through it and answer those questions. But really the biggest question is why deal with a regular bank when you can deal with a credit union that will put you above everything else? Telhio Credit Union. Find them on the web at telhio.org. It was an interesting game for the Blue Jackets last night. Uh, They didn't get many shots early in the game, and then they scored on the very first shot that they got. Jack Roslevic got the goal, his ninth of the year. It was a great play out at the blue line by Michael Delzato. Delzato took the goaltender, Jake Ettinger, brought him out to the top of the crease, had him convinced the shot was coming off Michael Delzato's stick. But Delzato was just fooling him. He was just drawing him in so that he could exploit him. Delzato threw a puck that was just off the net to the right. Josh, or um, Jack Kroslovic, sorry, had uh, gotten behind the defense, stick on the ice, redirected that puck by Ottinger, and it was a one-to-nothing game. And even as much as the Dallas Stars pushed with their forecheck, and even as much as they got the puck on turnovers, They couldn't turn it into anything. And then late in the second period, they turned it into something and then something again. In a span of about a minute and 40 seconds, Dennis Gurionov scored to tie the game. And Miro Haskinen scored to put Dallas on top. And they would never look back. Two more goals by the Dallas Stars. And the final result was four to one. And it's frustrating because the Blue Jackets were doing so many good things. Sticks in the passing lanes, sticks in the shooting lanes, blocking shots, playing ugly Blue Jackets hockey. But they couldn't score. And unfortunately, that too is Blue Jackets hockey, and it has been for quite some time. So the first game of the road trip goes to the Dallas Stars. They started the night seven points out of a playoff spot, and they got help. Detroit beat Chicago. Carolina beat Nashville. So Dallas is now five points out. They've got games in hand. They're looking to use those games to their advantage. I don't know if they'll get there or not, but I sure hate that they're using the Blue Jackets as stepping stones to try to get to that fourth place finish 
in the Central Division. So the next game is on Saturday night. It's going to be an 8 o'clock start, and it'll be the final game of the year between the Blue Jackets and the Dallas Stars. The bright spot in the game for the Blue Jackets last night was the NHL debut of Josh Dunn. Josh was only signed a couple of weeks ago. He left Clarkson after his junior season, decided to turn pro, went to Cleveland, had a few points in very few games. Blue Jackets bring him up, and they played him last night. He played as a fourth-line centerman. He's a big-body centerman. And in college, he was actually a defensive guy. He was named the ECAC Defensive Player of the Year, 2019-2020. So, and I mean – like defensive forward, you know what I'm saying? Not that he wasn't a defenseman of the year, but he plays very well defensively as a center. So he made his debut and it was great. It was great from the standpoint that it gives you a feel good story. You feel good for Josh himself. You feel good for his family. He comes from a hockey family from the St. Louis area. He is one of six kids. They all play hockey. When I hear that, the first thing I think of is how do they afford it? It's an expensive sport. I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice if uh, your kids are playing hockey. I can tell you that firsthand. And uh, Josh's family, there are six of them playing hockey. Now, two of them, his two older sisters, Jessica and Jincy, they both played here at Ohio State. In fact, Jincy was a very good defenseman for the Ohio State women's team. She was named a first-team All-American two times in a row, the only Ohio State player to ever get that honor. So for Josh, he's been in Columbus a lot. He's very familiar with this city and his sisters paved the way for him. Ironically, you know, he was six years old when he decided that he wanted to pursue hockey and his two older sisters who were both figure skaters decided that they would make the transformation and uh, start to play hockey. That was a pretty good decision, wasn't it? I would say it is. And it's, it's ironic. Every time I think about a, uh, figure skater uh, turning into a hockey player. I think of the original Mighty Ducks, right? When the brother, sister, they were figure skating and the brother told the sister, okay, if I'm going to figure skate with you, you've got to play hockey with me. (laughs) But his two sisters were very good at Ohio State. He has a younger sister that is playing at Minnesota and he's got a younger brother and yet another younger sister who are in high school making their way up through the ranks. So congratulations to the Dunn family. Um, for what the the older uh, the older sisters have already accomplished in their careers, and then Josh debuting in the National Hockey League last night, it was great. And uh, John Tortorella, after the game, was asked for a quick assessment, and one of the things he said was really interesting. He said that Josh asked questions that some of the players that have been here for a while don't even ask. Or some of the players, actually, he said, I believe he said, some of the players that have been playing for a long time in this league don't ask. So that was good. Um, I don't know what those questions are, but I know if you're inquisitive like that, you're trying to get better. And I believe that's what John Tortorella sees out of that situation. He sees a young player who is looking to get better. And that's what he's going to do. So, hey, congratulations to Josh Dunn. You've got one game in the National Hockey League. There's a lot of people that played this game for a long time, and they do not have one game in the National Hockey League. So congratulations. You do. All right, let's move on to uh, something a little bit different. I found this story 
just a couple of days ago. Actually, it was on Twitter. I found something good on Twitter. Can you believe it? No, the Cleveland Monsters had sent out a tweet a couple of days ago announcing that they were going to have uh, they were going to be more inclusive in one of their upcoming games next Saturday night when the Cleveland's when the Cleveland Monsters are at home. They are going to be taking on the Chicago Wolves, and they're going to have a Spanish broadcast for the game. Now, they didn't have to look far to find their Spanish broadcaster, because remember, the Cleveland Monsters are owned by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Rafael Hernandez Brito does the Spanish broadcasts for the Cleveland Cavaliers. This guy's got an extensive resume that goes beyond the NBA. He's never done hockey, but he's going to do it for the first time next Saturday. So I invited him to come on the show and talk all about it. We have a, an acquaintance in common who actually set things up for me, who introduced me to Rafa, as he's called. And uh, that is John Michael, who does the television play-by-play for the Cavaliers on Valley Sports. And he, uh, you know, John Michael, you may remember a number of years ago, he was the rinkside reporter for the Blue Jackets. So, uh, you know, he and I, we, we were buddies when we worked together in the American Hockey League. He worked in Springfield, and then he worked in Cleveland for the Monsters. Uh, when I was in Syracuse, we actually both came to the Blue Jackets at the same time in different roles. Uh, and uh, we have we've stayed close ever since. So John was kind enough immediately when I saw the story. I reached out to John and I said, Hey, can you, can you get me together with this guy? Is, uh, you know, is he a good guy? And John told me right away, you will love talking to him. And I'll tell you something, John Michael was absolutely right. I did love talking to him. So let's find out about uh, the Cleveland monsters and the Spanish broadcast they have coming up. And more importantly, let's find out much, much more about Rafael Hernandez Brito as he joins CBJ and 30 Rafa. First of all, how excited are you that you are going to get hockey added to your resume, calling a game for the Cleveland Monsters next weekend? You know, Bobby, it, it, is, it is such a, a great feeling because I am a hockey fan. It's one of the games, one of the sports I learned in English when I came to the U.S. and, and became a fan living in New York City. Somehow I'm not a fan of the Rangers, watching them in 94. I'm a Canadian fan because I love their jersey when I, when I just discovered hockey, but there's so many different reasons why I'm excited about this. Obviously, you know, I'm adding ice hockey to my, to my resume, but also because the effort that the, the, the monsters are doing to grow the game and also to knock on the door of the Hispanic community here in Northeast Ohio, just to, to make sure they, 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 they learn the game of, the, of hockey and also become fans of the monsters. So it, it is not just one single thing that get, has me excited about this. And, you know, just, I want to be like you guys. I want to, I want to coach. I want to call a hockey game. (laughs) How long did this take to develop? I mean, did somebody just come to you one day and say, Hey, Rafa, we want you to do this. Or or was it kind of a process? Were you involved in the process? I was involved in the process. I don't know at what point of the process I I was brought in, but (laughs) right near the end, right near the very end. I'm pretty sure. But the, the idea was, you know, Tony Brown, who is the voice of it, done an excellent job with the, with the, with the monsters. The idea was they are having grow the game night and they were going, you know, we have Noche Latina for the Cavs, so we want to have a Noche Latina for the monsters. And there was a few ideas thrown in and me joining Tony on the booth, in the booth, you know, during his game. But, and then me having 
maybe do commentary in Spanish, but I did. I, the, my first thought was, I don't want to throw his game off. You know, I, he's doing his thing and I'm doing something. He doesn't know what I'm saying. So it, it just doesn't really make sense. And we're lucky we have a really good partner this year, a new partner for the Cavs in Espanol. And he was, he jumped on board. He's like, yeah, you can have the night anytime you want. So we decided to do a, a, a separate broadcast and, and see how it goes. You know, we're learning. I'm, I'm still learning the trans, some of the, some of the terms don't have translation, you know, like in baseball, a strike is a strike in any language. So we'll see how it goes, but it, it's really, it's really exciting. I think that would be really interesting. I, I would love to just do uh, a play-by-play in English and then have you commentate in Spanish right after that. I think that would be just so amazing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> be, it would be, it would sound nice, but I think it would be a bit confusing for everybody listening. <laughs> Like for me, that wouldn't be fair. You would know everything I'm saying. I would have no idea what you're saying. Correct. <laughs> well, this. Uh, so, so what are you doing to practice for this? I mean, like you're talking about some of the terms. Uh, you're not sure how it's going to work out. But what kind of practice are you doing? I'm watch. I always watch hockey. You know, John Michael, our, our, our play-by-play on the, on the TV side. He he's a big hockey fan, and I I always sit there and I talk hockey with him. But it's really nothing you can practice about. I'm really, you know, more concerned about what's going to come out of my mouth when, 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 <laughs> when the game starts. You know, I know the game a little bit. I know, I know the rules, at least the basic rules. And, and, and I'm a fan. But I, there's really not much to practice other than the flow of the game. So I'll be watching some of the games, you know, this week and just trying to see if I can pick up. It's a much faster, of course, you know, much faster pace of the game. So that, those are the little things that I'm concerned about. I'm really, I mean, it's the first time we're doing it. And if anybody's expecting, you know, do you believe in miracle calls? I, I think I think they're going to be disappointed, but I'm going to have a lot of fun. And my partner, Octavio, Octavio Sequeira, who was the analyst for the Panthers a few years back, you know, we're really excited about the fact that we get to share our love for hockey with our community. And hopefully, you know, they, they jump on board with us. You mentioned John Michael, who now is a TV voice for the Cavaliers. And, uh, of course, uh, our Blue Jackets fans know him because he worked down here as the rinkside reporter for a couple of years uh, when he first came out of the American Hockey League there. Uh, I don't know if that's – I'm a little bit scared for you to have him as a mentor is what I'm trying to say to you. <laughs> I always I, – I keep running into that same problem, Bob. I'll tell you a story. When I came to the Cavs seven years ago – you know, it was the first time that I'd be traveling with the team. It was my first time working directly for an organization. So my boss, Dave Dombrowski, said to me, I had, you know, we played the first game that LeBron was back in Cleveland against the Knicks. And that same night, we were on the road. So I'm really new about getting on the team plane. I don't know where I'm sitting. I don't know. What's the story? with? And my boss said, you know, just follow John Michael. And John and I agree that is the worst advice I ever got. It's like because <laughs> I've been do I did that as they told me, and it, it led me to 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 do things I wasn't really trying to do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a surprise to me. As a matter of fact, you know what he told me yesterday when I was talking to him uh, to get your information. He told me that uh, when he first met you. He was trying to think, this guy reminds me of somebody. Who does he remind me of? And then he told me it was me. He told me when I was doing this interview, it would be like, it would be like talking to the Spanish version of me. Can you believe that? I, I hope you take that as a compliment. I do. Yeah, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I do. But, um, you know, you mentioned coming back uh, with the Cavs 
when LeBron came back there and uh, man, what a, a special run that had to be for you. I know it's been more challenging in the, in the last couple of years, but uh, how big was that experience for you to go through a championship season with LeBron on the Cavs? You know, it was, it was, it was a learning experience for sure. I have been doing, I have done basketball before I done the Nets and I also have, have worked on the NFL for most of my time. And, and in the NFL, I got to call, you know, eight Super Bowls and I got, you know, Drew Brees' first Super Bowl, Peyton Manning first. So I, I literally witnessed amazing moments in the world of sports, but I never really cared who won or lost because I was calling the national field. So, it, you know, it, my, I'm a Jets fan. My Jets never were never in the Super Bowl. And coming to Cleveland, the first experience was losing. It really sucks when you, when you see the guys work so hard every day. And then, the, you know, the result not being there. So the first season we lost the finals, you know, and I, I keep hearing about, you know, don't worry about it, you'll get used to it. I can never get used to the team losing. I don't care if LeBron is here or LeBron's not, or I don't care if we're supposed to lose it. it. It hurt, it sucks because you see the guys working so hard. So the experience of the first four years, you know, I always tell John that he should thank me because I had to come to Cleveland for him to ever call a playoff game, you know? <laughs> Because that was his first playoff ever when we when we made it in the first season of the NBA. So yeah, it was an amazing experience in terms of learning. You know, being on the road, just dealing with the, the appreciating a little bit more what the athletes do, especially on those back-to-back -back nights. And you know, fans. I think that's the thing the fans don't really appreciate a lot. The, everything the players have to do to play on on consecutive nights, and especially traveling from another city to you know, arriving at, like, we're playing the Warriors tonight and the Warriors arrive at 3, 3.30 in the morning. We probably arrive a little earlier from Charlotte. So it, it, it's crazy, in the, and, but it's great to, to just to witness it. And obviously, you know, 2016 was the culmination of, of all the hard work. But yeah, it, it was very different to what I was used to doing, but I'm happy I, I made the decision to come to Cleveland for sure. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, people always ask, or they've always asked me like, don't you want to do ESPN or don't you want to do, you know, the national stuff? And sure, that's high profile. There's no doubt about that. But to me, there's something about being with a team, being part of a team. And you you nailed it. Caring who wins the game uh, means a lot to me. And I guess you feel the same way. It definitely makes a, it's a big difference also when you get to experience the community. You know, the community as a whole, especially here in the Northeast Ohio area, where they really love their teams. And I, and I think that's one of the things that Hispanics relate to, because Hispanics, wherever they are, whatever city they have ended up with in, in the U.S., they support the local team. We're very loyal. And I think that's one of the things that I loved about Cleveland, the way they love the Browns after they, they had such miserable years. And, and it's happy to see what, how, how great they're doing. You know, John and I walked to the parade in 2016 and 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 it hit me not only watching a lot of kids on the sidewalks that they had no idea what losing is because they have watched four years in a row or two years at the time but of the cab winning every every year but also ran into a lot of fans that this lady said to me you know that she had gone to the to the cemetery before to see her father because her father never got a chance to see the Cavs win a championship and and that to her meant so much so they, that's when you realize the essence of, of just being part of, a, of, an, of an organization that is, goes way beyond the eyes or the court. It, I mean, it expands so wide that, that people, unless you leave it on a daily basis, you really don't understand how special it is. 
All right, so you've mentioned that you've called Super Bowls and all those things. How did you get into this? As a young man, how did you wind up being a play-by-play broadcaster? Well, I, I, that's one of the things, I guess, that's how I ended up next to John Michael because I'm also an engineer by trade. I studied mechanical engineering uh, at Boston University, and I'll give you the elevator version of, of, my, of my long trip to, to sports. I, I got an engineering degree. I wanted to work for Boeing or McDonnell Douglas, and I wanted to work on jet engines, and I could never get a job because I only had my permanent residence at the time. I wasn't a citizen, and because of of uh, national security issues. You, you have to be a citizen of the United States to work in those jobs. So I couldn't get a job and I wanted to cut the cord and stop calling my parents back who were still back home at the time in El Salvador. I just wanted to just get a job and become independent. So I got a job selling beer. You know, they paid me $18,000 a year with a car and insurance and gas. I was in heaven and free beer. You know, like <laughs> you can't go wrong, right? And I became really good at sales. You know, I, I moved up all the way to the brewing company with Coors. I, I, I was part of the group that brought Coors Light to this side of the Mississippi and, and was really good at it. But I got, I got to a point where I wasn't learning anymore. I was just really good. I had national accounts, Yankee Stadium, Madison Square Garden. And, but I was kind of burning the candle on both ends as well because I had to make sure my sales went out in the morning and I entertained at night. And, and those were the years that I told you when the Yankees and the Rangers were really good, when the Rangers won the Stanley Cup. And one time I woke, I, true story, I woke up one morning and I didn't want to go to work. And I hate that. I, I've never been a man that, that does something because I have to. I really always did stuff because I just wanted to do them. So I went to the office and told my boss to just let me know how much time he needed to for me to train somebody or get out. So I didn't do anything for a whole summer. Luckily, I have money saved. And one time I was watching, I think it was the Masters I was watching, and I was screaming at the TV about what something the commentator said. And I was just going crazy. And it lit a light in my, you know, in my head. I was like, you know, maybe I should do it for a living. If, I, if I'm going to sit here and scream at the TV, have somebody else scream at me, right? Yeah. So I went back to school for, for broadcasting. And my first job, I got a phone call the day I graduated that St. John's men's basketball was hiring and was starting to do Spanish games. Now, this is the time when Spanish broadcasting was coming. I, I swear to you, I went into the business not even thinking that there, wasn't, there weren't that many opportunities in Spanish. I just wanted to work in sports. And so I did St. John's, you know, the last year of, of, of Felipe Lopez and got, got a couple, went to, the, went to the tournament a couple of times, but I, I really wanted more. So I did a lot of boxing. And boxing was, was really what opened doors for me because it, boxing is like a, a ring. If you're not inside the ring, you don't get interviews, you don't get anything. So I really spent probably four and a half of the next five years in Las Vegas doing some entertaining and calling fights and doing interviews and everything. Got my talk show. And that's little by little, I, I just kept building on my growth. And, then, and I became the sports director at, at Univision Radio. We actually started for the first successful national radio network in Spanish, which was Univision Radio. There have been others that have gone down and we actually purchased some of the, of the networks that had gone bankrupt. And I got my own show. I became the sports director there and got the rights to, to broadcast the Spanish games of the NFL, Major League Baseball. And that's how I ended up here. You know, I, I, I love what I did. I love, I used to get too much. I, 
I got in too much trouble doing my talk show because I, I, I kind of like talk too much sometimes. And <laughs> so I play by play is my thing because I, 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 I kind of stay, stay in the lane, I guess you could say. That is an amazing story. And you know, what I got out of that is that sales experience, selling beer, you just turned into selling radio is basically what you did, isn't it? It is, it, 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 you know, we get the opportunity Bob, to, to sit in front of a microphone, watch a game and call it the way we see it. We have sometimes a lot that people enjoy what we do and sometimes people don't, but that's part of the game, I think, you know, nobody's perfect, right? And I just, everything that I have gone through, I wouldn't change it because it has helped me through it. You know, when I was at, at Univision, I also did sales. I was in charge of, of, of doing some of the sales for my show. So that, I, that has helped me coming to Cleveland and, and having that experience. You know, we were talking about how the budgets are also in Spanish. So I was my engineer, I was my producer, I was my talent. So that has helped me here because some, especially now in this day when you're alone, I can literally connect and hook up and go on the air without a problem. So I, I wouldn't change anything that I have been through. Maybe I would make it faster to get here, but, but the thing that I, the thing that I would do faster is try to find out what I love to do for a living and do it for free. And that's what I always tell kids when I speak to them, just find that little something that you want to get up every morning to do. And then, you know, that's half the battle. So it took me like 28, 30 years to, to follow my passion, but Hey, you know, I, I I'm here. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. And that is such great advice for kids. Yeah. Rafa and I were talking before we started this and uh, you know, he mentioned that he works by himself because the budget's in Spanish. So I said, I didn't know the hockey budget's in Spanish here too. So <laughs> <laughs> we can relate, but you know what? That is such a, it's such a good trade, isn't it? Because when I came up through the minor leagues, whether I was doing baseball or I was doing hockey, it was hook up your own equipment, uh, do your own thing, all of that. And I'll be honest with you, Rafa. Uh, I went down to Florida a couple of weeks ago with the Blue Jackets during this pandemic. I, they, I was allowed to go, but I couldn't have an engineer. And it didn't matter because I just took my own stuff and hooked it all up. You know, what, what is old is new again, isn't it? It, it, it is something that it, it, it's a school of life. You know, I, I was just talking with my wife, who used to be my boss at Univision, and she was my producer, right? And we talked about how we used to do. I remember one time she, she came with me, and I was the voice of the Jets of the Dolphins, I'm sorry, and we were visiting the Jets. So we have to do the Jets at one o'clock at the Meadowlands, pack everything. We had a car waiting for us because we were driving to Philadelphia to do Sunday night football, Eagles and Cowboys. And usually we, you get there early, right? To do all your setup. All your setup. Well, we got, to, we got to Lincoln Financial Field when the crowd was already in the stadium. So we had to carry our bags up the our boxes, up the stairs and you know, set up and usually, this is one thing that you don't you don't you don't get to experience, and I hope not. Usually, the Spanish broadcast gets the absolute worst location. There is, I mean, they put us wherever they can they can actually fit us. And at Lincoln Financial Field, we're up top, right when you come out for into the tunnel into the bowl, right right there. There's like a platform, like a camera platform, and so we had to set up in the middle, and it was really cold. So we were just talking about how that has really helped me here because I'm on the road. Here at home, you know, we have some great engineers and they, they help me set up and everything, but I kind of like setting up myself now. I want to make sure I know what's going on. I want, I, so it, 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 even for this podcast and everything, it helps the, the, the experience, even though it really sucks to get it when it's happening. <laughs> 
at the end of the day, it helps. It, it pays off. Yeah, all of a sudden you feel really smart now. Like back yeah. then, <laughs> back then you were like, this sucks. Why do I have to do this? I can't wait till I get to the big leagues and somebody does all this for me. And now you do it yourself and you go, man, I'm really smart. I'm, I'm, re I'm really good, right? Yeah. <laughs> what can you do? Hey, you know what? You got to get that sales experience back. You can't be taking the worst booth and the worst broadcast position, man. You got to talk yourself into a prime spot. Well, I think in order to do that, I got to rough for too many feathers. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I don't want to do it. Maybe that's something I'll do once I retire and I'll look up for the guys coming after me. But it, it, it happened. You know, the Cavaliers give us, it's one of the few teams that put the Spanish broadcast in the same spot where the English broadcast is. Something, you know, again, I'm coming back from being the first voice of the New York Jets when in 1980, 1998. And there were was, was some teams that don't, they, didn't, they didn't even know we were coming into town, you know? So, you know, in the old Cowboys Stadium, there was the press box, there was the auxiliary press box, and then there was outside of the auxiliary press box. And that's where we used to sit. I literally, I called the last game at the old Cowboys Stadium and I have a light bulb because we were so high that I can just literally stand on my chair and unscrew the light bulb from the from the stadium. That's how far we were. Ah, and by the way, it was in the corner end zone. So it wasn't it wasn't like we were at 50 yard line. So it that is something that I think all the leagues could do better with and 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 kind of help everybody. But it is it is what it is, you know. I they John and the guys always laugh because in Chicago and in Toronto, they put me in the gondola. You know, up in up in the, to do the the basketball games. I everybody looks the same size. I'm calling games by just you know the guy who wears the pink shoes is this guy. The guy who wears the headband is this guy. So because you don't see numbers, you don't see anything. Sometimes doing from the monitor. So, but I'm there. You know, I, I always took that with me that I, I I'd rather be there than than not. So I'll, I'll as long as I can look, I can watch the court. I'm happy with it. Yeah, and right now none of us are there all the time, especially yeah. uh, we're getting to do the home games and, and not the road games. As I said, I, I was fortunate enough. I got to go to Florida. I'm going to go again and watch those games. But how weird is this for you during this pandemic where we're stuck uh, watching it on TV? I know you've told me that you've done plenty of events off TV screens in your life, but once you're used to being there all the time, it's a tough adjustment, isn't it? The toughest adjustment, Bob, I think is, and one of the things that I never had to experience, I had nothing to compare it with was, that you do miss the building of the relationship and experience it with the guys when you're on the road. Even though we don't get to spend all the time with the players, but we, we're together, we're on the road, we're seeing practices, we're, we, 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 we're more like, we got the front row, right? About everything that is going on. And those are the things that you miss a lot. I, I was used to, like I told you, of doing the game from the TV. And I feel like I'm in Disneyland right now with four different angles and, and, and a big clean feed from the truck with natural sound that I don't have to, that I don't have to either delay or, or put a fake nat sound. We used to have, we used to call it a can because we, sometimes we didn't get any nat sound. So we used just put like record over and over a loop of, of the crowd, of the crowd noise. So that side I was used to, I just miss all the experience. I, I just miss all the, all the day in and day out. And like John and I said, we miss the per diem too. You know, that, that little, <laughs> a little cash envelope. That they give. <laughs> Good point. But, yeah. but you're right. I mean, and, and it's probably the same way with you guys. We have people on our team this year who never played here before. I have not met them. I, the only time I've talked to them is like I'm talking with you through a computer, on a screen. 
There's not that personal thing. I, I'm sure you're the same way. You like to, to get to a guy in a locker room. If you have a question for him, it's mm-hmm. nice to go up, shake their hand, introduce yourself to them, ask them the question, make them comfortable, get them to trust you. I, the biggest thing in our jobs, and this is what I appreciate the most about working for a team, is when they see you around all the time, they know you're a part of the group, there's a trust factor there, and you can get so much more out of those players than somebody that's just coming in to do a, a Sunday night game or a Wednesday night game from a network. Yeah, they'll give them stuff, but you're always going to get the best stuff. And that's the thing, the relationship, you know, the trust. Everybody's media when you're not around, but when they see you and you get to get a chance to go introduce yourself, maybe I'm Rafa on the Spanish voice, and I always got to ask them, you know, do you speak Spanish? Or, but just, just building that relationship is, is what you miss. I don't know. I haven't been on the court on a game day all season long. The last time I saw a player in person was March 10th when we flew back from Chicago and the, the day before the season got suspended. We have a new assistant coach that I never met. You know, all the new guys have been through Zoom. So yes, it, it, is, it is odd. I don't know what's going to change, Bob, because I would imagine the players love the fact that they have the locker room for themselves. Because I always, I always thought that was just the most ridiculous thing about having them be surrounded. I mean, the NFL is an even bigger crowd, bigger, bigger, bigger locker room. But that, those are the things that something's going to change out of this. I just hope that our, our ability to, to live the day, in, the, day, the day in and day out with the players and develop those relationships that help us so much in a broadcast. Because we get to witness a lot of stuff that we can't even use, right? in a broadcast, right? Injuries, arguments, but there are other things that you, I mean, talking to the assistant coaches in, in during practices, just to check about, uh, you know, Curry's coming in tonight, you know, what, what is the team trying to do? What, what is, what is, what, what, what has been the preparation? So for sure, the, the, the part that enriches our broadcast has, has gotten really small in, in terms of not traveling, but you gotta do what you gotta do. I'm sure everybody, so a lot of people have it a lot worse than we do. And we still get to call the game. So it, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm complaining, but I'm not. <laughs> right. I, I, I understand. And, you know, it's great what you said about there are some things that we learned that we can't even broadcast. But what we can do is explain to the fans without giving up those secrets, because you know why something's happening, right? Uh, you, you know the background of it. And even if you can't specifically talk, look, if a guy has an injury and they don't want anybody to know, uh, but yet he looks like, you're, you're watching him play and you're like, man, what's wrong with this guy? He's not running as fast as he normally does. He's not jumping. Or in my case, you know, this guy looks weird when he's skating. But at least you can kind of um, soften the blow and you can give some information without giving the secrets, right? I'm telling you, we used to see a lot of things, a lot of the things that the guys work on in practice, you know, either a shot or a play or something. Like right now, I, 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 will, I, will, I will be... I'm sure that there is like Delhi and, and Jared Allen or, or Isaiah Hartenstein are working on the alley-oop. And, and then when you see that happening on the game, it enriches your broadcast because you can say, you know, they've been working at it or they, this is something that they have talked about. So it, it's, it definitely hurts when the, the, the professional side of it and also the personal side. But then on the other side, I don't know if you have kids, but I know John and I have talked about, he is enjoying the fact that he gets to come home every day and wake up and, and you know, not, not missing any birthdays and not missing any, any Christmas dinner. I, mean, I know John used to like, when the kids were a little smaller, he used to have Christmas on December 23rd or 22nd before we travel, you know? And then the kids don't know that it's Christmas, you know? So it, 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 it it's a give and take. I still don't know about where I am on this thing, but I, I definitely, at the end of the day, bottom line is I'd rather experience 
the everyday with the with the guys with the travel and and you know just move around i guess yeah no i agree with you and i do have kids but see my kids are older so they would much rather me get out of here and stick around <laughs> you know how that is yeah. uh, actually it's the wives the wives are the ones that are like shouldn't you be gone for three or four days like why, why are you still here <laughs> you know my wife is different because we still have a home in miami so when we, when the season starts she comes home to Cleveland during the long homestands. And then when we go to the West Coast for 10, 12 days, she goes back to Miami. But this season, because of the, the pandemic, we're not traveling. So she decided to stay with me here in Cleveland. After a couple of snowstorms, she's like, you know what? <laughs> I see you legging it. <laughs> All right. Well, before I let you go, look, we've talked about you doing the NFL and boxing and, and basketball. You're going to add hockey to it. Uh, what what have we missed? What other what other sports have you done that you have on your resume? I call it's funny. I called the Little League World Series wow. one year. I called the World Series. I called UFC championship matches. And there's one thing. I'm the only Hispan. I'm the only broadcaster to do the finals of the of baseball, basketball, football, and the final four. I just did it for the fourth season in a row. I'm only missing. I'm only missing the Stanley Cup. So when the Blue Jackets make it, they better allow me to call the, the call the, to call the Stanley Cup final because that's the only one I'm, I'm missing. Okay, here's what I'm going to tell you. When you do this game next Saturday, okay, uh -huh. you you, you got to figure it out because this is an audition, man. That's just how it is, right? <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know. You know, one of my favorite phrases in hockey. Because I love to listen when I and I love the way you can you can the play the broadcaster trans brings you into the game, right? But he shoots his card. I love that. I don't know if I'm gonna do a long goal, the Los Monsters, or I'm just gonna go like he shoots his card. I, I still don't know yet. But again, those are the things you don't plan. But I'll be able to. I, I'm sure I'll send the, the tape to the Blue Jackets so they have me ready for the for the Stanley Cup. All right, here's what here's what I want. And I really I honestly mean this because of the whole pandemic, we're kind of stuck with this. But because uh, we have to do what we have to do this year. Once we get beyond this and you're going to have a game on your resume now, I would really love you to come down to a Blue Jackets game and sit in with me. If, if you want to do it in English or Spanish, I don't care. I, you know, <laughs> you, you can mix it up. But I think that would be so fun. I think that would be a great time. I would love that. Are you kidding? I'll go right now if I have to. I will definitely take that. I'll take. I'll take that offer for sure. I think, and you should bring John Michael with you, and we'll just make him stand in the booth and wish he was still doing hockey, but he'll have to watch us. <laughs> I like that too. Ah, <laughs> uh, that sounds great. So, um, so obviously you're doing the Cavs. We have a lot of Cavs fans down here in Columbus, obviously. So, uh, you know. They can, where can they find you doing the Cavs games on TV? All they have to do is hit the SAP button, right? Yes. That, John doesn't like me to promote the SAP version <laughs> because that means they go away from him. But, yeah, hit the second audio button on, on, your, on, your, on your TV and you can listen to us there. Or Power 891 uh, is the .org is where we, where we are on the radio. So And also, you know, on the Cavs app, if you live in the, with the blackout, area i don't know i think it's like 500 miles or something like that 75 miles i don't know but it's on the on the caps app it's also available and hopefully pretty soon in the blue jackets radio network i'll be i'll yeah. be to do a game with you <laughs> so so the the game that you're doing for the monsters is it is it going to be on that same radio station yes power 89.1 all right and that's next saturday right that's next the 24th i forget yes. what day that is. yes <laughs> i know that feeling too <laughs> 
who are they playing? Do you know that? Yeah. What happened? I said, who are they going to be playing? Do you know that? I, I think it's the Wolves. Oh, that's right. The Chicago Wolves. Yeah. That's right. The Chicago yes. Wolves, yeah. All right. You passed the first that test, Rafa. That I know. <laughs> uh, it's great. I'm going to try to tune into that. I, I really am. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing that. Actually, I can turn, tune into that because we have the night off. So I'll be listening. No, no pressure. Uh, and I, I want to hear you. I want to hear your critique. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for doing this. This has been a lot of fun. And this is exactly what John Michael told me it would be. He told me it would be a great time. He did not lie to me. I'll mark that down. That's one of the few times. And uh, <laughs> I wish you nothing but the best. And I mean it. The invitation is wide open for you to come down here to Columbus. Once we get back to normal, I'd love to have you in for a game. I'm there, man. Thank you so much for having me. And, and every now and then John tells the truth. So he was good this time. <laughs> Thank you, man. That was absolutely great fun. I loved every minute of that. I couldn't have been happier that I came across that tweet from the monsters and that Rafa came on and talked about all of that stuff. You, you could just, you could hear it in his voice. If you're watching the video version, you could see, see the smile on his face. I mean, this guy, his attitude is infectious. And I meant what I said. When this whole pandemic garbage is over, I want him to come down to Columbus and I, I want him to join us on a Blue Jackets broadcast. Heck, he should broadcast an NHL game. I, I think that would be a fantastic thing for him to put on that long resume that he has. So, um, man, I, I I can't thank him enough for coming on the show. And again, thanks to my good friend, John Michael of the Cavaliers for helping to connect us. But uh, Rafael Hernandez Brito on the show today, uh, you can find him on Twitter. And uh, what, what is his Twitter handle here? I get it. On Twitter, you can find him at Alcalde Rafa. That's where you find him. So um, check him out on Twitter. Uh, check him out on the Cavs broadcast. As I said, you hit that SAP button, you get him. And as he said, John Michael uh, doesn't like when he when he promotes that because that means you don't hear John anymore and you hear Rafa. But <laughs> I'm going to do it. I can't wait. I can't wait to hear him do it. And I'm going to listen to him do that game next Saturday against the Chicago Wolves uh, from Cleveland. Uh, what, what's the building called now? Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, right? I should know that. And I'm sorry, I so much want to say, I want to say Quicken Loans Arena. I know that's not right anymore. I know it's changed. They put all that money into it. They changed the name of it. But heck, I was working in that building when it was Gund Arena. So, you know, it takes me time to change. But um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun, uh, that game against the Chicago Wolves for the Cleveland Monsters coming up next Saturday. All right, again, the Blue Jackets are on the ice in Dallas tomorrow night. Uh, they will take on the Stars 8 o'clock faceoff, 7.30 pregame coverage on the Blue Jackets radio network with me or on Bally Sports Ohio. Then the Blue Jackets will move on, take on the Florida Panthers on Monday and Tuesday. Then they will move on to Tampa. They will play there Wednesday and next Sunday to wrap up the trip. So six-game trip, game one in the books. The Blue Jackets looking to even their record on this trip at one and one. They can do that with a victory over the Dallas Stars tomorrow night. That's going to do it for today's edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. I'm Bob McElligot. Until next time, so long.